Good morning again. What a blessing it is to be here today. I have a lot of my uh, family here, uh, my mother, my sister, my father-in-law, my mother-in-law, uh, some members from our previous church, Joy and Mitch Solomon, as well as Mr. Kyler, Ty Kyler. He was actually here at the uh, Fall Fest, and me and him saw each other, and it slowed down time for a second. It was amazing. Uh, when your worlds collide, and I'm like, that's a familiar face. Miss Todd's been in my life for as long as, I mean, since I was this high. And so to see Todd and his fiance, his beautiful fiance here with him, blew my mind. And so I'm happy that uh, I have such a wealth of people that are here to, 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 to visit with us, but also this wealth of people who I've grown to love in this short amount of time already. Uh, this church is a beautiful, beautiful family. Listen, this is advertisement for anyone who is thinking about, oh, I don't know, am I interested in this church? Great place. Absolutely wonderful people. There are some of the most brightest, intelligent, as well as warm and caring people in this building that I've ever experienced in my church life, really. And I am blessed to be able to be here up here to talk to you guys about someone who is near and dear to me, as well as I'm sure to a few of us as well here. Uh, Jesus, the beloved son. Let us take a moment and pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much. Thank you for this morning and thank you so much for allowing us to be here, Lord. Please, Lord, allow us, while this lesson is being taught, allow us to open up our minds and our hearts to you, Lord. Allow us to hear and see the message that you have placed in front of us, Lord. Let me shut up and let your Holy Spirit speak, Lord. Let you speak to the hearts of each and every person in here so that everybody may be closer to you, Lord. Please, Lord, just continue to guide and keep and protect and love each one of these people here, Lord, as well as allow us to bless the world that is outside of these doors, Lord. In your mighty name we pray. In the name of Jesus, amen. So Luke, we've been working through Luke as a sermon series. Uh, Luke is an amazing gospel. Each one of our gospels are so amazing because each one of them are telling the same tale from different viewpoints. So we get the same story, eyewitness accounts, testimonial, but from all of these different viewpoints. And Luke's is very unique. See, Luke has unique parables that is not covered in any other gospel. Luke has uh, is where we find the prodigal son, uh, the parable of the good Samaritan, rich man and Lazarus. So. Let's say I was a little bit surprised when uh, Jimmy said, oh, yeah, you're going to be teaching on Luke chapter three, verse 21 through 38. I know the font small. Look in your scripture, look in your Bible. All right. So it says when all the people were baptized, Jesus also was baptized as he was praying. Heaven opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in the physical appearance like a dove and a voice came from heaven saying, you are my beloved son with you. I'm well pleased. As he began his ministry, Jesus was about 30 years old and was thought to be the son of Joseph, son of Heli, son of Mathat, son of Levi, son of Melchi, son of Jenai, son of Joseph, son, son of Mattathias, son of Amos, son of Nahum, son of Esli, son of Nagai, son of Maath, 
son of Matthias, son of Simeon, son of Joseph, son of Jada, son of Joannan, son of Risa, son of Zerubbabel, son of Sheotel, son of Neri, son of Melchi, son of Adi, son of Kosum, son of Eladem, son of Ur, son of Joshua, son of Eliezer, son of Joram, son of Mathat, son of Levi, son of Simeon, son of Judah, son of Joseph, son of Jonam, Son of Eliakim, son of Melia, son of Mena, son of Metatha, son of Nathan, son of David, son of Jesse, son of Obed, son of Boaz, son of Salmon, son of Nashon, son of Amminadab, son of Ram, son of Hezron, son of Perez, son of Judah, son of Jacob, son of Isaac, son of Abraham, son of Terah, son of Nahor, son of Sarah, son of Reu, son of Peleg, son of Eber, son of Shelah. Son of Canaan, son of Arphaxad, son of Sham, son of Noah, son of Lamech, son of Methuselah, son of Enoch, son of Jared, son of Mahalaleel, son of Canaan, son of Enoch, son of Seth, son of Adam, son of God. All right, all right, all right. So I was first and foremost when I sent this to Diane, I thought I don't know what she's gonna do with this. I don't know what she's gonna do with this. Just point to the screen. I, honest to God, thought Jimmy was hazing me. I thought this was a new preacher thing. You got the new preacher on board. Guess what you're teaching? You're teaching the dictionary. You're going to teach the Bible by son ofs. I'm like, what is he doing? So what I decided is I'm actually going to let Dean come up here and read all of it. And then Jimmy will have to deal with the six foot two offensive lineman that is frustrated at the scripture reading. I was going to let him deal with that. And I'm like, you know what? Dean's going to handle my light work. So as I started looking at it, I kept reading it, reading it, reading it over again. I'm like, God, what is here? There is no blank scriptures in the Bible. There's no worthless scriptures in the Bible. So what are you showing us? What are you teaching us in this scripture? Why does it seem so juxtaposition? It seems like this amazing story where we actually see Jesus being baptized. is just slapped next to this long genealogy. I picked up on it. I don't know why I didn't. I just said son of 19 times, at least. (laughs) There is a fatherly aspect that is shown in these scriptures. And I believe Luke was very intentional in putting these scriptures next to each other and even using the phrase that he was thought to be the son of Joseph. See, now here, this is my stepfather, Ron. I was blessed to have actually my my biological father in my life and my stepfather in my life. If you see right here in the bottom right corner, that's my sister right there. She's grown just just a little bit. Uh, uh, And she was very unhappy during the picture. I'm not sure why I might have been the cause of it. Knowing our growing up, I probably was the cause of it. So this is my dad and this is my daddy. All right. So so Ron and Gerald are, are, are directly responsible for 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 me give or take. Uh, So uh, don't hold that against them. Um, So it's no coincidence that today, November the 5th, is actually my stepfather's birthday. Uh, He is he is passed. uh, But but I do miss him. And I I think about him regularly. And my mom also is in both of these pictures. Look at that young lady there. She's beautiful down here on the front row. All right. All right. All right. So I started thinking about my own father. We're talking about the the father of Jesus. And I'm thinking about what does the impl- what are the implications of Joseph, the father of Jesus, and why? That's one of my questions that I always think about. Why why not just put him on this earth as a thirty year old man and let him start his ministry? 
but he chose to let him be raised as a son. See, now, Gerald Stewart, if you learn, if you meet Gerald, you'll see me and Gerald and you'll see, oh, we look alike. We look alike. All right. I look a lot like him. He's a quiet man. Uh, that's where I get it from. You guys were wondering why is this? such a quiet, reserved guy, you know. Uh, he's a quiet man, reserved. He's not particularly spiritual. Uh, he has a very slow walk, a very slow talk. I get the walk, I'll be honest. Uh, he is a deliberate talker. Everything he says, you kind of have to wait and you're hanging on a note. Uh, he's a hard worker and he loves kids. One thing about my father, he loves kids. Ron Lee, Christian man. He's the he's responsible for us being in the church. In fact, him and his relationship and my mom and her relationship with the Browns, my mother and father in law, is why me and my wife even eventually uh, started dating. We've known each other since we were little. And it's because of these relationships. Um, so my, 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 my father, <laughs> Ron, life of the party, never met a stranger. Laugh would light up a room, turn all the heads in the room as well. I mean, I, I many thoughts remembering Red Lobster and people are like, what is going on? Is that a trash compactor? No, that's my father laughing. He's got a, he's got a iconic laugh, iconic laugh. Uh, he didn't know what awkward meant. He would step past that boundary line of, of, of awkward and, oh, we just got to, you know, how's the weather today? He would step past that to actually build relationship with you. He cared about the community of Christ and about raising his kids in it. And that's why me and my sister grew up in the church. So now, of course, it's not the whole story. There's so many more stories to give, but each one provided for me uniquely. Knowing these two men and their lives would tell you a lot about who I am today. Thought about my father. Uh, my, my family, my, my in-law family, believed that he was my biological father. Uh, because they thought I looked so much like him. And my stepfather would say, um, you know, you start to feed them enough, they start looking like you. <laughs> it was an iconic laugh. Iconic laugh. All right. But I think God full well knew that he was speaking to sons, speaking to daughters, and knew that when they come across the scripture, they would think of their own father their own parentage, and what that means and what are the implications of that. So in Luke, we have that same resemblance. In Luke 2.22, we see the Godhead, the Trinity. We see the Holy Spirit incarnate. We don't see this very much in the Bible. We, we hear about the power of the Holy Spirit, but we see the Holy Spirit has taken the occasion to come down in the form of a dove. And then we hear the father from heaven speak. Not many times in the scriptures do we hear a congregation of people, just normal people hearing God speak. And what's the reason for this season, for the occasion? What's the reason? It's Jesus Christ being baptized. God says from heaven, you are my beloved son. With you, I'm well pleased. Any Jewish ear in the audience would have known that that is a reference. There are two, there are many scriptures that are pointing towards Jesus in the Old Testament, but two of them are brought up in this one sentence. 
See, God brings up the the prophetic son of the children of uh, David, the the lineage of David, uh, which my brother read for us so well. Uh, Psalms two, seven and eight says, I will tell you of the decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. But not just that one. He also brings up the suffering servant that we see in Isaiah 42. I highly recommend reading Isaiah 42. It's 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 weird how similar it's not weird. It's God wrote it. But it's amazing how similar those two scriptures are, how we see the life of Jesus so clearly depicted in Isaiah thousands of years before Jesus walked this earth. Verse one says, behold, my servant. Whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights, I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. Then the writer of Luke, Luke brings us directly to Adam. This is going to also for the Hebrew ear, for the Hebrew eye to think about the lineage of Jesus and the promises thereof. Both of them leading ultimately to God but having separate implications. Direct son of God, holy, powerful. Son of man, we know son of man. We know what we deal with, but relatable. So I believe the gospel writer wanted us to see the deity and the humanity of Christ at the same time. I don't know where I should be pointing this. (laughs) Um, Because there are blessings, beautiful blessings in seeing Jesus Christ and understanding his sonship of man and his sonship of God. So the son of man became the son of God. Sorry, the son of God became the son of man so that we as sons of men can be the son of God. Played it, stated plainer. God became man so that man can become God's. So God has allowed us to have a gateway, a portal, a relationship with him through this divide that has separated us for so many thousands of years. And it's through the man of Jesus Christ himself. It's a divine condescension. I've gotten into many uh, conversations with brothers of which is more despicable. Which one is the biggest drawback for Jesus Christ being spit on, being hit being whipped until his organs were coming out, being crucified naked in front of his family and friends, or coming from heaven to earth. Jesus Christ bare both of those for the sake of us being able to have a relationship with God. See, Jesus, being a son of man, experienced the difficulties of humanity. Worse than many of us experienced. He grew up as a nobody from nowhere. I understand you might relate. Maybe you're from a little hole in the wall town. But Jesus, he was born in a trough, an animal feed container. I know you guys had a tough growing up. You know, you walked up snow both ways in in, in the winter. But being born in a food trough for animals has to be the lowest of the low. Jesus was from Nazareth, and now Nazareth has gained popularity. Nazareth during the time was popular for how unpopular it was. Jesus' name is literally the same name as like Josh. Common name, very common name. To call him Josh from Nineveh, 
means that there's not very many Joshes in Nineveh, means there's not many people in Nineveh. People, archaeologists think that Nineveh probably had some 500 people in the town, maybe. And Jesus's family was a whole 10 of those. Not very many people in this city at all. Jesus being from Nineveh, being a nobody from nowhere, Nathan brings up in John 1:46. he jokes, he says, can anything good come from Nineveh? I love Philip's answer. Come see. Jesus experienced hunger, fasting 40 days in the wilderness. He experienced homelessness. Jesus said foxes have holes and birds have nests. But the son of man has no place to lay his head. Jesus experienced betrayal. He experienced doubt from those who were supposed to love him and support him the most. He even experienced being told no when he prayed. Hebrews 5, 7 says during his earthly life, he offered prayers and appeals with loud cries and tears to the one who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence, though he were a son, yet learned he obedience from the things which he suffered. I don't know if you guys saw the Super Bowl commercial, but he gets us right. Jesus gets us. He understands what it is to be human. We aren't hovered by by this amazing, touchless uh, so unrelatable being that 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 when we cry, he, he's not confused. We have Jesus Christ himself that lived a life like ours and died. Hebrews 5 1 says that for every high priest taken among men was appointed in matters pertaining to God for the people to offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. He is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant. And are going astray since he is clothed with weakness. God. Chose to be clothed with weakness for your sake. God's relationship to humanity and him being here is unique amongst every other faith. I talked to my uh, Muslim friend and he think, wait, you telling me God became a baby? I'm like, praise him. He's like, you telling me he was suckled and his diaper was changed by a woman. Amen. Brother, you're preaching. Brother, you're preaching. Brother, you're preaching. You telling me that God chose to come down here with dirty people. He left heaven. I'm like, oh, man, they about to. Oh, brother, you're preaching because I never looked at it like that. But the truth is that Jesus Christ himself chose to leave heaven. If I have to leave heaven. Everybody in the operating room, they're going they're going to hear from me. They're going to have issues. If I see heaven, if I see those pearly gates and they bring me back, we're going to have issues. Jesus Christ left heaven for us. See, the amazing thing about Jesus's humanity is for us. It's a hard pill to swallow because we understand the implications. The world gets the world will accept that. Well, oh, yeah, Jesus was a human. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, your, your, your neighbor might say, oh, yeah, yeah, he's a good teacher. You know, he, 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 he knew a lot of truth. You know, the Muslim friend might say, my buddy said he's a prophet, he brought some words of God. You know, some might say he's a miracle worker. They might believe that he was born of a virgin. They might believe that he's holy and enlightened. Other of your friends might believe he's an anarchist. 
or he's some kind of political leader, but not Lord and Savior. Why? I think there are many reasons why. Some people are dealing with church hurt. They've been hurt by Christians before. Some have issues with understanding the facts and the information, maybe lacking understanding or not caring enough to even try. Some, I, some of the reasons may have validity and need to be issued and dealt with. But the many, many people that believe that Jesus Christ is the son of man, but not the son of God, truly believe has to do with his authority. So when you say son of man, he's recommending some good things. He's suggesting some great ideas. He might be influencing some people to do some good stuff. But when he said, when you say son of God, now obedience is the only natural response. See, when we look at Jesus and we see the golden rule, the world says, oh, yes, absolutely. Love, you know, take care of other people like you want to be treated. But when we see Jesus elevate and escalate that to love each other like I love you and lay down your life. Never mind lifestyle, lay down your life for those who may not love you, who, who hate you. That is the step of authority that we do not want, that people do not want. And in that authority, in that son of Godship is the only way that we receive salvation. I get to take you all to one of my favorite scriptures. OK, I had to work it in. I had to figure it out. This is one of my favorite scriptures because it is pointing to Jesus Christ in a way that a lot of people overlook. OK, because Jesus, when he says son of man and son of God, we as layman, layman, we might think, OK, when he says son of man, that means, you know, the human side and son of God. Jesus actually was speaking the opposite. Okay, so anybody during the Hebrew time, during that time period, every man, Pharisee, Sadducee, all of them would consider themselves son of God. And they would use that term. Hey, sons of God, I am a son of God to let them know their allegiance to God. But when Jesus said son of man, that is one reference. A Hebrew ear would automatically know. Please turn your Bibles to Daniel chapter seven. Please mark your Bibles in Daniel chapter seven. This is a amazing scripture. Daniel seven, verse 13. See, Daniel is having these prophetic visions. They're very similar to revelations. Once you look through Daniel and you see his 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 revelations of the time and how those prophecies work, you'll see a lot of these through lines for the book of revelations and the 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 apocalyptic writing and that style. But there are key things that are brought up now at this point. I won't go through all of Daniel seven. You should. But he sees the ancient of days. A description that can only be a term attributed to the most high father, God, the father, the most high. He calls him the ancient of days. And verse 13, he says, I continued to watch, I continued watching in the night visions. And suddenly one like the son of man was coming in the clouds of the heaven. He approached the ancient of days and was escorted before him. He was given dominion and glory and a kingdom so that those of every people, nation and language should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away and his kingdom 
is one that will not be destroyed. Amen? Only by serving the king can you have the benefits of the kingdom. Only by kneeling and pledging allegiance to the king can you take part in all the benefits, protection, and love that is available within the kingdom. The word kingdom doesn't even mean a place. It literally means the king's possession. The blessings are is that if you kneel to the king, you are blessed to be a part of a kingdom that is everlasting. Jesus, while walking this earth, kept telling us about this kingdom. This kingdom is soon coming. The kingdom is at hand. Lord, let your kingdom done. Your come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This kingdom is a beautiful, beautiful kingship that is only available by serving the son of man. And the son of God. See, only son of man can live human life like us. But only the Son of God can give life to all who seek it. Only the Son of Man can be the fulfillment of the prophecies of the Testaments of old and the prophecies of salvation and the prophecies of the kingdom. But only the Son of God can be planning our redemption from the beginning of time. Only the Son of Man can shed his blood as a sinless offering for all who accept him. But only the Son of God can accept the wrath, pointing at a sin-sick world. Take it and live. See, Jesus took this mess that we made. This apparent paradox of where the only destruction that is available, the only opportunity that is available is destruction is what we justly deserve and took it into himself for the uh, for the sake of rescuing us. See, Romans five, six says for why we were still helpless, just at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For rarely will someone die for an unjust for a just person, though for a good person, perhaps someone might even care to die. But God proves his own love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. How much more then, since we now have been justified by the blood, will we be saved through him from wrath? God became man so that men can become gods, so that we could be a part of his divine kingdom. How do we become a part of that divine kingdom, you might ask? I'm glad you asked. That same question was asked almost 2000 years ago. Peter standing up with the 12, the men told them that you have crucified, you have shed the blood of God. And the only do the only thing that could come from that is wrath. The men looked at each other and said, men and brother, what can we do to be saved? Acts 2.38 tells us Peter replied, repent and be baptized, each and every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. If that isn't strong enough for you, look at Jesus's own life. When did his mission begin? At baptism. If it's good enough for Jesus Christ, it should be good enough for you.
The very name of Christianity means to be Christ-like. And we in the watery grave of baptism bow down and kneel before the king and he picks us up as sons. So that you may accept the sonship of God just like Jesus Christ has and be co-rulers, co-heirs in the blessings that God has provided for us that are available through his son. The beautiful thing that we see in Jesus's baptism is that his father was pleased. As a father of a four year old myself, I know that feeling. See that son do the thing my son put on his belt today by himself. Praise Jesus. I'm like, look at this boy put on his belt. Looked at me, said, I, you can't even tell I got a belt on, Daddy. I said, man, you did that faster than I noticed. I know that feeling of a father seeing his son accomplish something that you are, you are hoping and, and praying for. And if I can wrap that same feeling and see the father from heaven, every time one of his children turn to him, as that prodigal son did, that, t- that child that turns to him and said, God, I bow the knee at you. I just want to be a part of your kingdom. And he says, come and take your seat. Now, the opportunity is right here. The opportunity is right now. If you have need for prayer, if you have need to, to red- rededicate your life to Christ, If you want the opportunity to just talk with somebody about your doubts, about your fears, about what might be going on with you, this is a beautiful time. There is no better community that you could do that in. If you choose to put on the watery grave of baptism today, you choose to bow the knee to a king who rightfully all owes you death and punishment, but chooses to offer you life eternally. There is no better time than right now. Please stand as we sing a verse of a song.